Good morning. This is the Blaine's World webcast that can be found each week on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can also listen in on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Instagram, you name it. You can find us. You can also find out more information at our website, which is behind me, blainesworld.net. I'm your host, Blaine Greenfield, and I'm here in my Zoom studio in lovely downtown Fairview, North Carolina. Each week, we focus on kind of cool stuff that's happening in both Western North Carolina and throughout the country. And toward that end, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Jesse Bacherman with the Western Region um, Catholic Charity Diocese. Is that right? I think I have it. That is correct, Blaine. Okay, great. And uh, Jesse, welcome aboard. You can feel free to wave to all you fans and friends who are watching this. So, <laughs> give wave Hello, that. everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Okay, that's Jesse. And Jesse is the Western Region Director of the Catholic Charities Diocese of Charlotte, working at nonprofit organization's Asheville office. He oversees the operations of the Catholic uh, Charities in the 12 westernmost uh, counties of North Carolina. He served in this role since January 2015, at which time he's been in Asheville since then. He grew up in Minnesota, went to college in Nebraska, and later living in Western Virginia and uh, Virginia. And the only thing I don't see looking at where you are is I don't see the, the uh, your roller skates in terms of getting around to this territory. I don't I don't roller skate very well, Blaine. My knee my feet need to be on the ground. I'm not a good skier. I, I tried to learn to ice skate. I'm from Minnesota. Most, uh, <laughs> most people learn how to ice skate in Minnesota at age three, like almost before they walk, like almost <laughs> at the same time. And I'm just too clumsy for that. And so my feet need to be on the ground. So, so you were never a hockey player either? Nope. So, I mean, I had to play hockey. I'm from Minnesota. It's the state <laughs> of hockey. And so because I couldn't skate, my friends put me in the goal oh, in yeah. my boots. They skated around the rink and I was the goalie getting peppered with tennis balls and pucks my <laughs> entire life growing up. So that's what I grew up with on the uh, on the frozen ponds of Minnesota. So growing up in Minnesota, the question I always ask the first time I meet somebody is, do you always know you want to be involved in, in work with nonprofits? Yeah, so I had two passions growing up, and I've been blessed to work with in both of them. Um, I love writing and I love telling stories. So journalism was kind of a natural thing for me. I actually thought I wanted to be a lawyer when I was 14, watching a lot of Law and Order. And then I found out that you had to go to law school for eight years. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to go to college that long. Um, but my other passion in life, because I have amazing parents and I grew up in a great community and a great church, was helping people. So for me, it was writing, telling stories and helping people. And so I, um, you know, and we'll talk about this, obviously, I did some broadcasting work and did some journalism. That's where my undergraduate degree is. Um, but I've been blessed in my career to be able to transition into the nonprofit world. And I get a chance to help a lot of people and impact our community. So you mentioned as a kid growing up then, uh, were you involved with the church center or were you involved in helping others as a kid? Yeah. And the interesting thing about Catholic charity is I thought you had to be Catholic to work there. You don't have to be Catholic to work here. You obviously don't have to be Catholic to be served by us. We don't ask people what they believe in. We just help people in need. Um, but I, I happen to be a lifelong Catholic Christian. Um, I'm one of the few in our Asheville office that I believe is Catholic. Again, we don't ask our, our staff that and stuff like that, but about 80% of our 60-person um, staff is non-Catholic. Um, we have people of a variety of different backgrounds and stuff. But with that being said, I was raised in the church by my parents, and I've been a, a Catholic Christian my entire life. When was the first time you started getting involved in, in like helping others? You know, um, did you volunteer as a kid in high school or? Uh, I did. Yeah. I mean, when you're a kid, obviously your parents kind of force you to do it. You want to be outside <laughs> playing and playing sports and stuff like that, playing hockey and stuff like that. Um, but because we were involved in the church and because my parents kind of instilled in us, you know, the idea of giving back and helping people, 
I remember certain projects like laying sod at my elementary school in the summer and stuff like that. Um, there was a program at my church called Parents Night Out, which gave parents an opportunity to drop their kids off so they could go out on a date. And so in high school, you know, get to play with little kids and, you know, shooting basketball and stuff like that while their parents were out going on a date and stuff like that. So I just have really, really good memories of volunteering and seeing my parents get involved in the volunteering in church. And, you know, for me, as somebody who's given back a lot, I like giving back selfishly because I get so much more in return. And I've always had that feeling as a child, as a young adult, now as a, as a not young adult. What you say reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. I don't know if you know the person, Shirley Chisholm, um, was the first uh, black woman to ever run for president. She was a New York City congresswoman. And she said, reminds me of what you just said. She said that service is the rent we pay for living on earth, you know. Wow, that's so it, profound. Isn't it though? It just I have it on my wall and it's just what what we're here for to help others. And I guess that's one of the cool things about what you do in terms of work you do, that that's what you're doing every day, I guess, you and, and the 14 person staff. Yeah. And that uh quote by Shirley Chisholm, when I think of her name, I think of one of the underappreciated African Americans and non-white leaders in our country. You know, there have been so many amazing civil rights leaders. You know, starting with, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks and kind of everything as far as civil rights, but her impact on the community, just having the the guts and the um, willingness to run for president in this country. Right. And that quote just shows how profound and how intelligent and how brilliant she was, because that is an amazing way to look at service and an amazing way to look at being a human. It's funny because it just when I hit, it just hit me. I try to, as best I can, live my life by that. You know, it's just, and and you really mentioned, and we'll talk about that, is the fact that giving to others, you get so much more out of it than, you know, whatever you can give. When did that first hit you? That that you would, you know, you were helping others. You mentioned in school and while the kids were playing, you were taking care of all the kids. Did it just kind of hit you or just you just appreciated it at that time yeah i would say as a teenager for sure doing volunteer work um the satisfaction of that um in college young adults and then getting involved as a volunteer doing programs like meals on wheels i've been a meals on wheels volunteer in a number of different communities doing things like visiting um you know people who are homebound or sick in the hospital and things like that um you know things like i'm i'm not very good at fixing things i can barely change a light bulb but programs like Programs like Habitat for Humanity, where they give you the opportunity to bang a couple of boards and put up a house for somebody else. I'm blessed to be able to be a part of that, even though I'm not good with heights. So getting up on the roof of a house isn't very good for me. Um, but yeah, just the, those opportunities and just feeling during the day, during the work, during the volunteering, it takes something out of you because it's life and it takes energy out of you. But when you look back after the fact, it's just like going to the, the gym for me. I've never regretted helping somebody else. During it, it might be like, oh, you know, this isn't fun or it's a lot of work and everything. But after the fact, you look back and you're like, wow, that was a pretty darn good use of my time in my life. Talk about that also, Jesse, if you would, in terms of uh, how, especially teenagers or people in school, it's a great way to um, learn about stuff, making contacts too. And people don't realize that if you volunteer, it's going to help you professionally down the road, even though that's not the reason you're doing this. Um, talk a little bit about that in terms of when people volunteer, do they have a choice of what they're going to do or can they move in different directions? Yeah, specifically at Catholic Charities and a lot of nonprofit organizations have a variety of different, you know, kind of requirements and things like that. We have some volunteers that volunteer once a month or once every couple of months. We have some volunteers that are just at events that we do. 
where you have some volunteers that are doing reception duties, answering phones and doing office things. Um, but yeah, that's the nice thing about uh, Catholic Charities in our office is we have a variety of different types of volunteers and we want to connect people with what they want to do. We don't want this to feel like a job. You know, a lot of our volunteers are retired and they don't want to feel like they're going to work. They want to have something that inspires them and really gives them energy. And so we really want to connect them if we have that as an opportunity here with some of the things that we're doing. And if not, we can send them to a Mana Food Bank or we can send them to an ABCCM and try to get them that best experience that they're looking for. Because when people are volunteering, they're really trying. It's not selfish, but they're really trying to kind of connect with their passions and connect with how they want to help the community. And we try to do that for the people that come to us looking for volunteer opportunities. And I think your example of kind of yourself is a good one in that I would imagine if somebody came to you with a journalism background, you know, like you had many years ago, and they wanted to write press releases or you could put them to work in terms of getting the word out, that's something you always need help on, right? And so if somebody wants to do that, you put them to work. Yeah, for our regional advisory board, for instance, it's 13 members, and that's a variety of people from a variety of different backgrounds in different parts of Western North Carolina, and they all bring something to the table. And just like any nonprofit organization, we'll take interns or volunteers, free work, free labor, whatever you want to say with that. But ultimately, we're trying to use people's experience, use kind of what they have done in their life. Um, a lot of our volunteers are world travelers. They were very successful in business or in the nonprofit world. And we're really trying to kind of bring their passions and everything to us. But um, yeah, whether it's answering phones or lifting heavy boxes of food or uh, helping us organize events or organizing fundraisers, things like that. Um, yeah, we have volunteers that do a variety of different things at Catholic Charities. Do people come to you and want to volunteer to do something completely different than they had done all their life? You know, so they'd worked in PR or something all their life and say, hey, maybe it's time to do something different. Does that happen as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, if, if somebody has done the same jobs generally, <laughs> generationally, it's happened for a while. I mean, my, my dad worked at the same place for 30 years before he retired. My mom was 20 and stuff. A lot of times is I've done this in my life. I want to try something a little right. bit different. And so um, that's the cool thing about being able to train volunteers, having an amazing volunteer coordinator. Uh, Hillary is the name of our volunteer coordinator at Catholic Charities. She does a great job of connecting people to what they want to do and then connecting with them so that they have a really good experience as a volunteer here. In terms of um, getting involved, since we've talked about it, Jesse, to find out more information about Catholic Charities, yes, overall, but specifically volunteers, what do they do? Yep. So the website that we have for Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Charlotte, and again, diocese is just a fancy word for geographic region. <laughs> we cover the western half of the state, so it's 46 counties in all. We have other regional offices in Winston-Salem and Charlotte covering the different parts of the western half of the state. Um, but our website website is ccdoc so cc for catholic charities doc for diocese of charlotte.org and when you click on that there's a volunteer click where you can click on that and actually there's a pull down that says volunteer in Asheville, and that gives people in a couple of clicks if you will um, right to all of the current volunteer needs that we have for our um, organization um, our front door is unlocked monday through thursday from 9 30 to 4 but then we also have other opportunities at different events and things like that. And we have other ways for people to get connected, being on our board and again, doing a variety of different things. And so uh, ccdoc.org is a great way um, to learn more about the current volunteer opportunities. And I assume that there's always going to be a need for volunteers. No doubt about it. Um, we're a volunteer led agency. So of the 14 staff members or team members we have here, three of them are interns. One is an AmeriCorps VISTA, so we take a, a, a amazing advantage of the AmeriCorps program, um, which provides a year of service for people, kind of like Teach for America or Peace Corps. 
And so we have an AmeriCorps VISTA in our office. We have a couple of part-time staff members. So our active volunteer list is probably at the 50 to 75 mark. If it wasn't for volunteers, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Our food pantry is mostly volunteer-led. Like I mentioned, a lot of the people that answer the phones at Catholic Charities in our Asheville office are volunteers. Um, so there's always going to be a need for volunteers, and we're an organization that embraces them. We, we kind of see it as you're a team member, whether you get paid or not, whether you're full-time or part-time, whether you're a volunteer or staff member. Um, I'm not going to make the analogy like we're a family because that gets kind of complicated and stuff like that, but we're definitely a team here, and we work together to have the biggest impact and to help the most people that we can. Well, I tell folks sometimes, too, another advantage to volunteering is sometimes it can lead to full-time employment. And that's not, not, that's not necessarily the reason you volunteer, but have you had any people who started out as volunteers and then became full-time with you? Have yeah, you I mean, that's that's the whole thing with it. A lot of times volunteers come to us at the end of their careers, but we also have volunteers who are younger, and I would encourage people to do that. And so I'll just tell you know, my own story. Part of the reason why I was able to transition from the broadcasting world to the nonprofit world was my first professional job in nonprofit direct service work was at a homeless shelter in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I had volunteered at the organization for a year. I don't have a degree in psychology or human services or counseling. And I'm like, oh, maybe they'll give me an interview because they know me. <laughs> well, they offered me the job as program director. So your points that you've hit on a couple of times now, get your foot in the door, young people, be willing to do the volunteer or that internship because then the organization gets to know you and when they know you, you're a known, known entity. You're not just another resume on Indeed. And they're going to be apt to hire you. And I've experienced that firsthand in my life. And equally important, you get to see if, you want to, if you're a good match for the organization as well. And mm -hmm. since you mentioned it, let's talk about some of the specific things that you folks do. And the first one you just mentioned before was the food pantry. What's that yep. all about? Yeah, every Wednesday um, at 50 Orange Street. So for those familiar with Asheville, we're just down the road from the Staples, just off of 240 okay. in Merriman. Yeah. So that's Orange Street right there. It's a big white building um, uh, that looks like a house because it used to be a house. It's a 140-year-old building. It's the most historic, non-historic building ever. It's not officially registered, but it's an amazing site. And we actually run a food pantry out of our garage. The garage on this old house, this old building is actually where our food pantry is. And on Wednesdays from 11 to 1, so 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., we serve about 40 families every week. People call in advance and make appointments so we can ask them over the phone if they have any food allergies or sensitivities. And our food pantry, there's a lot of food available. There's food insecurity in this um, area, but sure. there's a lot of churches and a lot of um, uh, you know organizations that partner with Mana Food Bank to get food out to people in need. And so one of the differentiators of our food pantry is we focus on those non-food items Things like baby diapers and wipes, adult diapers, toilet paper, toiletries, feminine hygiene products, pet food, things like that. Those are all things that you can't use SNAP benefits for, uh, what are normal, formerly known as food stamps for. And those things are really expensive, even though they're in Ingles and in other grocery stores you know, that you go shopping at, you can't use um, those SNAP benefits on. So we're able to distribute a number of those products as well on top of usually about 60 pounds of uh, of food that we give, staple items, as well as fresh items, um, produce, you know, vegetables and things like that every Wednesday. And we're serving, like I said, about 40 families, a few hundred people every week. We're not the biggest uh, food pantry. There's a number of other organizations that are open much more, um, you know, throughout the week and, you know, have a lot more availability. If you did come to Catholic Charities, let's say on a Monday morning or a Thursday afternoon, we do have emergency food boxes or emergency diapers. So you can still get services um, but as far as our food pantry is concerned, people call in advance, they make an appointment, we go through, you know, what do you need? What does your family need type thing? 
and then they're able to show up between uh, 11 and 1 Wednesday, or maybe their neighbor shows up for them, or maybe a caseworker from another organization can show up and pick up for them. And we're able to give them kind of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks worth of food and maybe some supplies to get them through the week and get them through the month so they can pay their bills. So. Where do you folks get the food or the supplies? Yep. About 90% of our food actually comes from Mana Food Bank and such, you know, one of our biggest partners, obviously an incredible organization. We're one of their 250 partners in Western North Carolina. So about 90% of our food comes from Mana. Um, our volunteer coordinator and food pantry manager puts in an order at Mana, like all nonprofits do. We have volunteers with big pickup trucks that go to Mana on Tuesday, and they usually pick up about 1,500 to 3,000 pounds of food every Tuesday. We have volunteers that come in and organize it and sort it and box it up. And then we're giving that food away on Wednesdays. The other 10% of our food and the supplies like diapers and stuff, we have a lot of amazing organizations, churches, nonprofit organizations, places like the Rotary Clubs, things like that, that will do like diaper drives or toiletry drives or to toilet paper drives, you know, whatever the case may be, or they'll give financially. And we're able to use the generosity of donors and what we, what we call people of goodwill in this community that are willing to donate money and donate, you know, when they go stay at a hotel, they'll bring their uh, unused, you know, soap and conditioner and shampoo and stuff like that. And all that kind of adds up to what makes our food pantry special. So it's, it's a community really coming together to donate and to help out and things like that. And then as far as the food is concerned, Mana Food Bank is an integral part of so many different food pantries in this area and definitely of ours here at Catholic Charities. Do you take contributions also? We do. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we, we take them in all shapes and forms. You can drop, you know, checks in the mail and things like that. We have a number of people that will drop by. One of the best parts of my job is that I'll show up, you know, to work. I'm, I'm not a morning person, so I barely get into the office by nine. But there'll be a box of uh, a box of food on the porch here at 50 Orange Street that somebody that's dropped off on their way to work as a donation. And it warms my heart every day. So people yeah, donate, you know, a box of diapers, you know, they'll put an Amazon order in or they'll drop off some food or some pet food. Last week, somebody dropped off some pet food because their pet was transitioning to a different diet. And so they had some leftovers and they said, why not uh, drop it off and get it to somebody who can uh, feed their, their cat or their dog? Um, Cause we give away a lot of pet food. So yeah, donations can come to the door. Obviously financial donations can be um, given uh, over through our website or a uh, good old fashioned check in the mail, or you can drop off cash too. You know, we'll take cash too. <laughs> now, aside from the food pantry, you mentioned that you folks are involved in a whole bunch of other things. We don't necessarily have time to talk about all of them. Just mm -hmm. if you can, what are some of the key other programs that you run? Uh, yeah, five of our five of our thirteen staff member or fourteen staff members in our, our ref, uh, in our uh, Asheville office currently are doing the refugee resettlement program in this area. So they are resettling refugees from around the world here in Western North Carolina. Catholic Charities in this community has been the refugee resettlement agency that's designated by the government and things like that. Um, and uh, Lutheran Services of the Carolinas jumped in when the um, Afghan situation happened in 2021 with the Afghan evacuees. And so we're blessed to have them. They're actually located over at St. Mark Lutherans, which is a block away from us. Um, but Catholic Charities does refugee resettlement. So again, we're uh, refugee resettlement is a person is in a country where there is war, where there's famine, there's persecution, and they are petitioning their government to get the heck out of there. And they petition to their government, which petitions to our government and refugees come to this country uh, to start a new life and to flee violence and persecution. And we are happy to help people in need um, with that. So that's kind of one of our bigger programs as far as the current staff that we have. And so those folks, 
they come there in this country. And then you you do everything, I guess, from soup to nuts in terms of getting them housing, jobs, the whole bit. Completely. Picking them up at the airport, making sure they have clothing. A lot of people are just coming with uh, luggage on their back, making sure they have food, making sure they have housing. Uh, a lot of people that we serve have local ties to the community. So maybe their brother or sister or their parents uh, were refugees in this country and they're kind of uh, reunifying the family, which is uh, another thing that warms my heart, being able to uh, put families that have been, you know, at a distance for a long time, half a world away, kind of back together again, because um, all the statistics say that you thrive when you're around people um, that care about you, that you care about, that speak the same language as you and things like that. Um, but yeah, ultimately, um, yeah, refugee resettlement is a beautiful thing. And like you said, soup to nuts. We're um, working through the process of getting people work authorization, social security cards, getting them connected to services, getting them connected to jobs, getting them connected to the communities, the churches and things like that. And it's really cool to see somebody who comes to this country who might not speak this language, go through some language services at AB Tech, learn English, get a job. A lot of great employers in this community are willing to hire people that don't speak English very well um, because you can train people and we can work that out through translation and interpretation. And then to see people build a new life here and to really grow a lot of successful business owners in this community, a lot of really successful people that have raised families here. Um, and, you know, they're not from here originally, but they're from a place that is in a very bad spot in the world, whether it's Eastern Europe or, you know, the former Soviet states or different parts of this world in Central and South America, where uh, there's a lot of persecution, and a lot of violence going on. And it's really cool to see them thrive in Western North Carolina, half a world away. That's probably exciting for you now. You've been doing this for a bunch of years to see some of these success stories. And, and without mentioning any names, just maybe give an example of a success story that you, you saw came 2015 or 17, wherever you came, and they all of a sudden have thrived, you know, not just managed, but actually thrived. Have you seen some of those stories? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's constant. I mean, for instance, with the Afghan evacuees, everybody that came from uh, Afghanistan, we resettled 42 people. They are all actively working for those who can and things like that. Uh, one gentleman uh, went back to get his pilot license at AB Tech because he wants to fly planes. Um, we had a number of people, um, the generosity of people in this community as far as donating transportation to give people more job opportunities and things like that. Um, the people that we resettled during the Afghanistan situation and then just overall, these are brilliant people from around the world. They are business owners. Uh, one person worked at the embassy, um, you know, in Afghanistan, the American embassy and stuff like that and resettled to this area. So it's people, you know, nurses, doctors and things like that coming to this community. They might have to go through some training or some education here to have the equivalency of what they need to do. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of people doing great work at a number of different types of uh, organizations and businesses in the, this community, whether it's human services, whether it's manufacturing, um, or whether it's just business. Um, and yeah, it's just really cool to see, again, families being raised here, uh, students getting connected with schools, and especially in Buncombe County schools, their willingness to embrace the classroom um, setting and these young children who are really setting a good example for adults and how they embrace people that are, aren't like them. Um, and just to hear the stories about, you know, again, students who are in elementary and middle school and high school coming to this country, they can't speak the language and they're embraced by their students. They learn the language and then they're thriving. And we've been doing refugee resettlement since 1978 as an agency. And this office, it's really taken off under the current presidential administration with our current staff. And it's just really cool to see 
all of the success stories of people, you know, making this their home and embracing what it's like to be an American going through the citizenship process. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's really heartwarming to be able to be a part of that. You help folks go through that citizenship process? Yep, completely. Yep. So whether they come as a refugee or with parolee status, which is a, a stupid name that the government kind of put together for it, um, you know, and stuff like that, you can't make some of this stuff up, you know, with uh, acronyms and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the idea of with like, for instance, our immigration program, which is different, people think it's the same, but, you know, working through the process of a green card, naturalization, naturalization, citizenship, things like that. It's a, it's a big process. There's a lot of paperwork involved. Our staff is really good at doing paperwork, especially for those federally funded programs. Um, but it's really cool to see people get to the point where they are, you know, uh, U.S. citizens, where they have the proper citizenship status so that they can accomplish what you can accomplish when you have, you know, that status in our country as far as where, where you can work and kind of what you can accomplish and what services you can be connected to here. So. And we've talked now about two of the programs. I'll put you on the spot, maybe ask you to talk about maybe one more. And by the way, how many total programs do you have there? Would you say? Yeah, in our office, you know, we have a couple more that are, you know, able to highlight quickly about like case management. Case management is basically connecting people to services, whether it's here at Catholic Charities or making referrals. So we have a case management coordinator that when somebody calls and says, I need help, she's able to connect them with if they need diapers or food or counseling or immigration services. She can connect them to the work that we do at Catholic Charities, or she can make referrals to Pisco Legal Services for legal services or to Mana Food Bank or to ABCCM um, to different organizations. And so case management's a huge part. When somebody calls us and they say, I need help, even if we can't help them physically here, we want to be able to help them by getting the information that they need and the referral that they need to get the help that they need. So case management's really kind of our model and kind of our mentality here of when somebody comes to us, we want to be able to help them. And it's not about, oh, we don't do that here. Good luck. It's about we don't have that program here. But let me introduce you to somebody at this other organization that might be able to help you. So case management's a big part of what we do. And then the last one to highlight is we have a clinical mental health counselor on staff. So it's not Christian counseling. It's not Catholic counseling. He's a licensed clinical mental health counselor. His name is Scott. And Scott has been in the same office in this building, the longest tenured staff for 15 years um, in this uh, awesome building. And he does virtual and in-person counseling. So you can come and sit on his couch. Or if you have the internet, you can see him face-to-face. -face. Um, he speaks English and Spanish. So we have a lot of people that we serve that speak Spanish in a variety of different language as, languages, as you can imagine, in refugee resettlement programs. Um, and so Scott speaks English and Spanish, virtual and in-person counseling, and it's on a sliding fee scale. So some of our clients are, you know, are paying 10, 20, 30 bucks per counseling session. We don't like turning people away based on costs. We do accept a couple of different insurances, but we want people to get the mental health help that they need. And Scott's an amazing resource in this community to be able to provide licensed counseling work for people on a sliding fee scale. And one of the things you do that I think is kind of cool is that other than the counseling, if people come to you, you were mentioning the food pantry. Uh, they, they don't have to fill in paperwork or there's no forms that, to prove how much they earn or anything like that. It's just except how they come to you on any basis. Yep, definitely. There are a couple of um, things with Mana Food Bank. Um, there's a program called the Emergency Food Assistance Program. So the government is able to supply a bunch of food to food banks like Mana. And we do have to ask a couple of questions for that program specifically about if somebody um, yeah, qualifies for food stamps or SNAP benefits or not. 
Uh, for the most part, we're not asking people, they don't have to show IDs, they don't have to give a social security number. Just for our system for reporting, you know, we need a name and a phone number usually. But um, yeah, in that situation, and a lot of our events that we do with Mana Food Bank, the few questions that we're asking, how many people are in your household, anybody under 18, everybody, anybody over 65. And um, yeah, we don't like all that bureaucracy and stuff to kind of be a barrier to the programs that we do. Ultimately, we just want to help people in need. And again, we have to do a certain number of reporting things and ask certain questions based on certain programs. But for the most part, um, we don't want, you know, somebody's lack of ID or lack of social security number to get in the way of them receiving the help that they need. Now, something else that's coming up and perfect timing for this show and that we can talk about it has to do with, I guess you have a major fundraiser. Is that, you do that each year, a major yeah, fundraiser? we do, yeah. And what's that? Yeah, it's called the Spirit of Hope. So every year in May, uh, we bring people together, again, people of goodwill. So Catholics in the name of Catholic Charities, but there are a lot of people in this amazing Western North Carolina community, and especially in Asheville, during the refugee resettlement situation, they call us and a lot of people say, I'm not Christian, I'm not Catholic, I just want to help these people. And that's that's great because Asheville is, you know, the state of North Carolina is 6% Catholic. Catholics are a very small minority in this uh, community, and the diversity of this community makes it a great place. And so the idea is with Spirit of Hope every year, we have people come together that it's a fundraising event. So we're, we don't sell tickets for the event, um, but, you know, we're hoping that people make donations to support the work that we do. Um, it's an opportunity on May 9th. It's going to be at the Double Tree by Hilton, the Asheville Biltmore one, right by the Biltmore on Hendersonville Road in South Asheville. And uh, people come to that event. We have food and, you know, really, you know, food and drinks and stuff leading up to the event. The program itself is less than an hour. And that really just spotlight, uh, spotlights the work that we're doing um, with having, you know, people talk. We show a video of some of the program participants that we serve, um, which is my favorite part of the evening. Give away an award, um, you know, to somebody called the Spirit of Hope Award of somebody who's gone above and beyond this past year of really serving the community. So it's a really good celebration for Catholic Charities, but it's also our major fundraiser every year. And um, yeah, that's an event. We're hoping to fill up that room of 200, we have 250 people on May 9th. So. And so if people want to find out more about that one, they'll also go to the website and there'll be information there. Yep. CCDOC.org is the main website. And then if you put in slash SOH for Spirit of Hope, that will take you to more information about the 2024 Spirit of Hope fundraising event. Catholic Charities, pretty cool. What's the thing that turns you on every day when you come to work about working for Catholic Charities? Yeah, um, just as a Catholic Christian, I've been able to connect my faith and kind of what I believe in in my professional work, but it ultimately gets just down to what we talked about before. I just really enjoy helping people. Um, some people work at nonprofits you know, that serve children because they have an affinity for helping children or veterans or people who are elderly, you know, diff different things like that. For me, I don't really have a demographic population. I worked at a homeless shelter in Charlottesville, like I mentioned, and that population has a, a place in my heart because it's really sad to me that there are a lot of people that don't have a roof over their head tonight, especially when it's raining, um, you know, or cold or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it's doing outside in Western North Carolina in 15 minutes will change. Um, but yeah, the idea with being able to come here and with all the different programs that we serve to see how our staff pours into the people that we serve and how this organization, which is small and mighty, is able to have an impact on the community. I tell people we're kind of a small piece of the puzzle, but each organization, each business kind of plays their role in the community. And the idea of just going to be a part of that, to be able to promote that, to get involved you know, with the Asheville Chamber of Commerce and local business associations, to talk to people of goodwill every day who really want to give back and help their community as volunteers or as donors and things like that. 
Um, every day is different at Catholic Charities, and I get to travel a lot for my job across this beautiful state. I also have days where I'm in my office for six hours answering emails, just like everybody else does. Um, but what kind of really gets me going is um, as an agency in the last fiscal year, we served over 22,000 people in, um, in the Diocese of Charlotte, and that's what gets me coming back every morning. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, that's quite an impressive number, you know, 2,200 people being served. Yeah, 22,000. Yep. 22,000. Yep. By 14 or 15 people you have working for you. That's Yeah, well, that's across the entire agency of 60 people in our Charlotte Winston-Salem office. Here in Asheville, we are serving thousands of people as well uh, through our food pantry and a variety of different programs. But like I said, small and mighty. Scott's our only counselor in Asheville. He's one person. He doesn't have a secretary. He does all of his scheduling and stuff. We have one case management coordinator. A lot of agencies have multiple case managers. Um, you know, our food pantry is mostly volunteer led and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we uh, we serve a lot of people with a, a small group of volunteers and staff that does amazing work. Do you personally get out to each of the 12 counties at some point? I do. That's that's a blessing of my job. We're in the process of reopening an office in Murphy in Cherokee County in far west North Carolina. We had an office out there for almost 20 years that closed in 2019 when our funding dried up. We've made a recommitment to funding that, and we're actually hiring for um, that position um, right now. And so I'm really excited about re reopening that. Um, but yeah, we do um, events with Mana Food Bank in conjunction with them. Um, our uh, Mana Express event on the second Thursday of every month, I believe, has been in six or seven of those 12 counties. Um, and so we're doing work down in Henderson County and up in Yancey. We were just up in Burnsville uh, last week. And so the idea with um, the work that we do is we're in Asheville physically, but this is the Western Region Office. And our job is to help anybody in need in the 12 westernmost counties. So we do a lot of events in Haywood County over in Waynesville area and Silva and Jackson County, um, going to Robbinsville and Graham County and making that beautiful drive. And uh, yeah, it's a huge blessing uh, to be able to reach those rural and remote areas of Appalachia because there's a lot of need in those communities. Well, whatever you do, just you're doing a heck of a job. I want to thank you for your work with um, the organization. And um, my guest has been Jesse Bachman with Western Region. He's the West Region Director at Catholic Charities, Diocese of Charlotte. I also like, thank my producer, Cappy Tassetti. And Jesse, hopefully we'll bump into each other sometime actually in person. I appreciate the opportunity, Blaine. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks for being with me.